her mom. Many of you ladies have had moments such as you just saw on the screen there, and we thank God for the wonderful memories that you ladies have given, have provided to all of us children at different stages in our lives. Praise God. I want to invite you now to turn in your Bibles, please, for the message to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. Amen. And our theme today is lessons from two prostitute mothers. Very unusual title, isn't it? Lessons from two prostitute mothers. And as you're finding First Kings, uh, start at the beginning of the Bible and, and go from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First uh, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, if I'm remembering correctly. All right, it's okay to look up the contents. And uh, sound operators, I'm going to suggest that uh, that you, you turn off the monitor here so that we can avoid some uh, feedback we're getting. Thank you. As you're turning to First Kings chapter three, <clears throat> just want to share a few other thoughts here with you. Uh, Mom number one said, how do you get your sleepyhead son up in the morning? Mom number two said, answered, I just put the cat on the bed. Number one says, well, how does that help? Mom number two, the dog's already there. I figured it'd take a little while for a lot of you to get that. My wife has always got it quickly. Congratulations, Cindy. All right. Here's another conversation. Chris says, Chris says, why is a computer so smart? And his mother says, it listens to its motherboard. <laughs> Did you hear that, Chris? <clears throat> Uh, Sunday school teacher said, tell me, Johnny, do you say prayers before eating? Johnny answered, no, ma'am, I don't have to. My mom's a good cook. <laughs> and then uh, someone by the name of Doug, Doug said, I think my mom's getting serious about straightening up my room once and for all. His uh, childhood friend Dan said, well, how do you know that, Dougie? How do you know? Doug says, she's learning to drive a bulldozer. <laughs> Amen. Um, a mother mouse, a mother mouse and a baby mouse are walking along when suddenly a cat attacks them. The mother mouse shouts, Bark, 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 bark. And the cat runs away. See, the mother mouse says to her baby, now, do you see why it's important to learn a foreign language? <laughs> Last one. A mother said to her son, 
I'm warning you, I'm warning you, if you fall out of that tree and break both your legs, don't come running to me. Two of you caught on. <laughs> All right. We come to our Holy Bible, 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. It says, Sometime later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone, but we're only, there were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning, when I tried to nurse my mom, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Then the other woman interrupted, It certainly was your son, and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, The living child, the living child is mine, and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth before the king. Then the king said, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours, and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to the king. Verse 25. Then he said, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, Oh no, my Lord, oh no, my Lord, give her the child, please do not kill him. But the other woman said, All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. Then the king said, Do not kill the child, but give him to the woman who wants who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard the king's decision, the people were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom God had given him for rendering justice. My friends, the first truth that I want to direct your attention to from this story is, as you see it on the big screen, it is, God loves you, and you are very important to the Lord, no matter who you are. The Lord loves you, and you are very important to the Lord, no matter who you are. This truth uh, came to my mind just as I began to read the story, because verse 16 obviously says, sometime later, why don't you read it with me from the big screen? Sometime later, two prostitutes come to the king to have an argument settled. All right, two prostitutes came to the king. I have read or heard this story a few times over the years, but I never really stopped. I don't know about you, but I, I never really stopped to think about the fact that these two mothers were prostitutes. 
As I was preparing this message, I thought, I thought, you know, why did God specifically tell us these two women were prostitutes? They were women who probably had sex every evening with different men. Uh, these two women and the sinful men who paid for their services were living out of God's will. I thought, why does the Bible tell us they were prostitutes? Or as some of your Bible translations say, what? Harlots, probably. And not only that, but why would Solomon, king of Israel, even take the time to listen to two prostitutes about their problem? Certainly he had a, a lot of other important things to do. He must have known, Solomon must have known that they were women of the night. So why listen to their problem? And here's why. King Solomon was concerned about their need because God was concerned about them. You got that? Solomon was concerned because he knew God was concerned about them. In this story, King Solomon, in a, in a sense, represents the King of Kings, the Lord God Almighty. And in a sense, God was saying, ladies, I love you, and you are very important to me, no matter who you are. That's, that's I believe, the main reason we are told specifically who these women were. Now, this, this does not mean God approved their prostitution. Not a bit. In fact, 1 uh, first, first Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from sexual sin. All right? The Bible teaches us clearly about moral purity. The truth is, these women were not living up to God's ideals, yet he still loved them. You and I might not always be living up to God's ideals, but the good news is, he still loves us. God stands for moral purity, and we in the Church of the Nazarenes also stand for moral purity, but God and we also stand for forgiveness and restoration. Amen? We need to do that. The probability is that you are not, you are not a prostitute, but one of the great lessons that this Bible story teaches us is this. Whether or not you are highly educated or have very little education, whether or not you, you earn a lot of money or you barely make it financially, whether or not you are beautiful enough to win beauty pageants or you are normal like most of us, whether or not when, uh, when you were a young lady, dozens of guys were asking you for a date or perhaps no one asked you for a date, 
Whether or not you are as holy as Mother Teresa or you are a prostitute, God loves you and you are very important to the Lord no matter who you are. This is one of the beautiful lessons and truths that comes out of this story. Um, why don't you take a moment? Oh, well, let's stand. Why don't you just stand? Stand. Take a stand. Go ahead, stand. Take a moment and, and turn to someone in front of you, beside you, behind you, whatever, and, uh, and just say, God loves you. Can you just put that up on the screen there? Just, God loves you, and you are very important to the Lord no matter what. Amen? God loves you. You're important to the Lord no matter what. Amen? Amen. God loves you, and you're important to the Lord no matter what. Praise God. By the way, there is, there is no such thing as a perfect mother, just as there are no perfect children. Amen? And if there's anyone in whom we should be willing, listen to this now, if there's anyone in whom we should be willing to overlook faults, it should be our mother. Why? Because your mother has overlooked so many of your own faults. Is there an amen? All right. All right. So that's the first lesson we learn. Amen? Here's a second lesson that I learned from this story. Read it from the big screen with me. There are times when it is good to seek a wise person's help to solve a problem between yourself and another person. This is what the two mothers in the Bible story did, isn't it? Verse 16 says, they came to the king to have an argument settled. None of us will ever be able to go to someone as wise as Solomon to help us with our arguments. Nevertheless, there are times when two women who are not getting along well should talk with a third unbiased person to help you find a solution to your problems with each other. Now this goes for us men as well. Some of you ladies were thinking, Pastor Nick, that applies to you too, right? Of course it does. Now sometimes there will be tension and silence between a mother and a son or silence between a mother and a daughter for years. Is that right? Yeah. Sometimes sisters will go for years with, with not talking to each other. On occasion, two women who were, who were the best of friends from childhood days avoid each other like the plague. You know what I'm talking about, right? And you know some people like that. My friends, seek a wise person's help to resolve the issues. That wise person might be a Christian counselor, a Christian counselor that you should pay 
if he or she is dependent on their counseling work for their livelihood. Amen? Some of you, please, please tell Pastor Arnie Grace Sandy what Pastor Nick just said, because she, she is a, a wonderful counselor. All right? It could be, it could be that you should discuss, it could be that you should discuss issues with a pastor or someone else that both of you can trust. And by the way, many times it is not, it is not the best thing to discuss problem issues with close relatives or close friends because often they will have a hard time being impartial. Isn't that true? For example, for example, my grown-up daughter and grown-up son and I are getting along perfectly well. Amen. Thank you. Um, we get along perfectly well. But it is possible. It is possible that maybe sometime in the future I might end up having some kind of a conflict or some kind of a problem between my son and I, Jeremy, or between my daughter and I. It is possible, just as it's possible with you as well, no matter how wonderful you are. Now, if ever I had a problem developed between my son or, or with my daughter, I would, I, would never say, I would never say, Jeremy, let's meet with your mother. Let's meet with Cindy to resolve this. I wouldn't do that. Do you know why I wouldn't do that? Because, because I know, I know that even if I am 100% right, and even if Jeremy is 100% wrong, I know his mother will take his side. <laughs> this is true, whether she would admit it or not. These are the facts of life. You know? So... Uh, my wife is a very smart lady. She's a very wise lady. She really is. She really is. Thank you. I was wondering how many, how many moments it was going to take for Cindy to say amen. She's a very wise person. But, but you know, when it comes to uh, anything that might come up between my son or daughter and I, and even, even with my two grandkids now, she always takes the sides the side of the grandkids, not my side, you know? <laughs> uh, she, said, she said she's waiting for me to be 100% right. <laughs> oh, honey, you just need new glasses, that's all. <laughs> anyway, all right, okay, all right. There are times when it is good to seek a wise person's help to solve a problem. And if there's a relationship situation especially that you've been wrestling with, maybe for weeks or months or years, this is the day to make a decision to, uh, this week, arrange to meet with uh, an impartial party who loves you or maybe doesn't even know either of you to work things out. Amen? Let me take you to the third lesson I learned from this very unique story in the Bible. The third lesson is this. Read it out loud from the big screen. 
Sometimes bad things happen to any of us, and we are deeply hurt. In the Bible story, look at verse 19, which tells us the terrible thing that happened to one of the mothers. Verse 19, well, I'll read it from the big screen together. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. I really feel for that mother, and I'm sure you do as well. It is a very painful experience for a mother to lose a baby due to some unknown disease or to some, as it's called, sudden infant syndrome. It is even more, it's even more agonizing knowing that her baby died from suffocation because in her sleep, she accidentally rolled on top of her baby. It was a very terrible thing. I remember something that happened when our daughter Amy was only about three or four months old. I want to give, uh, I want to give my wife credit and say that usually Cindy woke up when our babies needed to be fed or comforted or changed. But I, I had my fair share of waking up in the middle of the night. I'm waiting for an amen from my wife. It is slow in coming. Pastor Lisa, would you say it for me? <laughs> uh, she wasn't there. <laughs> okay. Well... Well, anyway, <laughs> peace. <laughs> one night, uh, one night I, I, think, I think our daughter was about three or four months old. One night, she started to scream and holler, and, um, and I got out of bed. I don't know what it was, two or three o'clock in the morning. So I got out of bed, as many of you fathers have done many times as well. Say amen, fathers. Silence? Wow, I got you. I, I have to educate you. <laughs> one, one lonely soul back there. Okay. So anyway, I got out of bed and went to her bedroom. She was obviously crying and upset. I picked her up. She's three or four months old. I picked her up and put her against my chest. And guess what? She stopped crying. So... I stood there for, I don't know, a few moments, and then I thought, okay, I can put her back down. I put her back down in the bed. Well, okay. She had a degree in crying. Um, and then I thought, okay, she's not ready to fall asleep. I picked her up again. Picked her up again. You know, she stopped crying, lay on my shoulder so nicely. And then I thought, okay, I can put her back down. I put her back down in the bed. Once again, she started screaming, crying, crying. Do you, do you notice how much my daughter needed me? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I picked her up. I picked her up again. So I thought, okay, what I should do, what I should do is, uh, is take her to our bed and just have her, have her sleep on my, my, my chest for, I don't know, a few minutes, have her sleep on my chest. Once she goes to sleep, then I will take her back into her crib. So this was the great plan that I had. 
I would uh, lay down in our bed, put her on my chest, and once she is sleeping, I'll take her back to her crib. So that's what I did, that's what I did, except my plan didn't go exactly as I intended because several hours passed. In fact, the morning came. I woke up. I woke up, and I remembered I had the child on my, my daughter on my chest, but she wasn't there. She wasn't there, and I thought, oh, did, did she fall on the floor? I looked on the floor. Amy, where are you? Where are you? And fortunately, she wasn't on the floor, and I looked to my right, and she was, she was snugly between my wife and I, and, and I, I was still frantic, to be honest with you. I was frantic because I thought, oh no, did we smother her? Did we smother her? And, and so, you know, I quickly, quickly checked to see if she's breathing and if she had pulse, a pulse beat, and uh, obviously she fortunately did. She fortunately did. But I, I can tell you, I can tell you that um, during that, those few moments, it was a, a scary thing for me because I thought we could have suffocated. I could have suffocated my little girl just because uh, I meant well by taking her into the bed with us. But I, I fell asleep. I was very tired, very sleepy. And, um, and so that's, that's, that, that, that's essentially what, what happened, you know. And uh, it, it was just a little reminder to me uh, probably not to do that again because of what happened on that occasion. Can you, and I, uh, can you and I try to keep the following in mind when we or someone else is going through a deep hurt? Let's keep in mind the, the following. For those of you making notes, it'll be A. During our time of deep hurt, be careful not to hurt others. In the story, we discover how the mother, the mother whose baby died, switched babies with her roommate, or housemate, whatever you want to call her, and said that her roommate's baby was the one who actually died. Obviously, what she did was wrong, okay? Clearly, what she did was wrong, but I want us to understand that hurting people hurt other people. Think about it. Do we have that on the screen? Hurting people hurt other people. Keep that in mind. Here's something else we need to remember, point B. During your time of deep hurt, be careful not to say or do crazy things which you would normally never do. I mean, this lady in the Bible story did some crazy things. To begin with, to begin with, it was crazy that the one mother, this, that mother lied to King Solomon. She knew, she knew that it was her baby who had died. And then after King Solomon said in verse 25, cut the living child in two and give half to one woman and half to the other, the hurting mother said in verse 26, the second part of verse 26, she says, all right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. 
divide in between us. Did she, did she really want, think with me, did she really want the baby she couldn't have to be killed? Uh, let me have a show of, show of hands. It's not a trick question. Very simple. How many of you really think she wanted that baby cut in half, which essentially meant killed? How many of you really think she wanted that baby cut in half? Put, put your hand up. Put your hand up. Let me just see. Let me just see. Uh, some hands. Some hands. Some are halfway up. <laughs> You're kind of half, half decided. All right. Okay, that's interesting. How many of you really think she had no desire to see that baby hurt? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. A lot more hands. Well, I'm on your side. I'm on, I'm on your side, okay? I don't, think, I don't think she meant it. What she did was wrong. What she did was wrong. But you see, you see, hurting people hurt other people, okay? She did what was wrong. But we have to be careful, I believe, not to be overly too hard on her. During, during a time of deep hurt, people say or do crazy things which a person will normally never do. You've seen that, haven't you? You've seen that? Let's go to point C. When you are emotionally hurting, be careful not to make major decisions. All right? During a time of emotional pain, it is, uh, it, is not, it is not the time for you to quit your job. It is not the time for you to buy a new car or buy a new house. It is not the best time to start a new relationship when you're in the middle of major, major emotional pain, okay? Point E, or D. Show extra patience to someone who is in severe emotional pain. Don't, don't add to their problem. Don't add to their problem by saying, come on, snap out of it. Snap out of it, you know? That happened two weeks ago. Snap out of it. That happened three months ago. Get over it with you. Move on. All right? Don't, don't, don't rush people. There is a time to move on. But sometimes what we say can add more to the hurt. Point E, pray for a person who is hurting. Pray for him or her. Sincerely pray behind the scenes. They might not even know that you're praying. And F, understand the deep hurts take a lot of time to heal up. It takes time. Most of you have experienced that and you know what it's about. Here's a fourth truth or the fourth lesson we learn from this very unique story. Fourth truth is this. Praise God for the bonding which you mothers develop with your children. This truth came to my mind when I read verse 21. Uh, and verse 21 says, And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, 
I saw that it wasn't my son at all. She says, it wasn't my son at, at all. Now, I don't know if that mother was, a part, was in part uh, going by the appearance of the baby. Uh, perhaps her baby had a little more hair and the deceased baby had less hair. Maybe she knew her baby had blue eyes and the other baby had brown eyes. The Bible doesn't tell us. I'm just conjecturing here. It could be, it could be that she knew the dead baby was not hers because of appearance. That might have been part of it. But I really believe it was much more than that. I believe it was much more than that. I believe she had a bond. She had a bond with her own baby that she didn't have with the other baby. And that's why she said, the, the live child is mine. The live child is mine. She had a bond. And a lot of you mothers know what I'm talking about, don't you? Don't you? It's not that you have anything against a, a, another baby or someone else's child. It's just that you know there, there is that almost inexplicable bond between you as a woman, you as a mother, and that little child, that little baby, and even the big babies as they get older and grow up. Am I connecting with you here? Right? All right. Here's a fifth lesson I learned from the story, and it is this. Thank you, mothers, for being willing to sacrifice for your children. We see in the story how the real mother of the baby that was still alive was willing to sacrifice. Look at verse 26. All right, it's on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, Oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. But the other woman said, All right, he will be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. You see, she was willing to give her baby to the other lady to make sure her baby would not be harmed. Right? That's what happened. Listen to these words from a, an author by the name of Dino Missiano. He says, the real mother in this story would rather see another woman raise her child than see it split in two. You have to be willing to give up some things to be a good mother. Personal sacrifice is a pivotal part of motherhood. It begins by sacrificing their own bodies by carrying the child around in their womb for nine months. No, no mother's child ought to get over that sacrifice. Our mothers fed us, nourished, and protected us with their own bodies before we even saw the light of day. I don't know anyone else who loves me enough to carry me around for nine months. But a mother's sacrifice doesn't end there. They keep on giving, he says. They, they, they give up sleep for the midnight feedings. They give up personal goals to help their children achieve their goals. He says, we honor moms for all the giving they do. They remind us of God who is sacrificial and giving. God gave his only son for a world of wayward children. Amen. Amen. And then 
The sixth lesson I learned from this story is this. Thank you, mothers, for your love. Verse 26 says, Then the woman who was the real mother of the child, of the living child, and who loved him very much, cried out, Oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. We see the love of this dear mother shining through, and we have seen the love of all of you dear mothers shining through across the years. And I want to close with the reading of Love You Forever by Robert Munch. A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The baby grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator and he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old. And he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor and looked up over the side of the bed. And if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends and he wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. If he really was asleep, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. 
as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. That teenager grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. He left home and got a house across town. But sometimes on dark nights, the mother got into her car and drove across town. If all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. And one day she called up her son and said, you'd better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her. And when he came in the door, she tried to sing the song. She sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. But she couldn't finish because she was too old and too sick. The son, the son went to his mother. He picked her up and rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he sang this song, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. And when the sun came home that night, he stood for a long time at the top, at the top of the stairs. Then he went into the room where his very new baby daughter was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Thank you, mothers. Thank you, mothers, for your precious love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you indeed for the love of our mothers and our grandmothers across the years. And I pray, O oh God, that in one way or another, you would help each, each person, each woman, and each man as well to understand that God loves them and that you are very, that each one is very important to the Lord no matter who we are, touch their hearts and bless each one on this Mother's Day weekend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you stand and let us sing this beautiful, beautiful song. 
Let us sing, He Knows My Name. And as we sing, it may be that some of you want to take a few moments to pray at the altar. Maybe you want to just pray and say, Lord, I've come to understand today that you love me and that I am very important to you no matter who I am. Or it may be that this can be the time that you want to begin a, a wonderful relationship with Jesus. And the way you do that is by asking for forgiveness of your sins. You repent of your sins. And you begin to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. Or maybe you just want to come and thank God for the love that you have experienced from your mother, from other women in, in your life. God bless you. Feel free to come as you wish to the altar for a few moments. Let's sing.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you indeed. And now, my friends, I'd like to ask if um, 